This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And for the second time this week, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Matt Addison. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. I'm okay. Yeah, looking forward to the return of Bundesliga this weekend. I don't know about you, some football on our screens. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's been sorting out BT Sport to get that back on our TV and in my flat. So yeah, hopefully be a nice weekend of watching some football and even though there'll be no fans and that sort of thing, it's it's nice to sort of have it back and hopefully it's back in England and not too far down the line as well. That reminds me, you've played your part in a video that's all being well going out on the Blood Red YouTube channel this afternoon regarding some players on in the Bundesliga. Yeah, so uh, I took a look at a few players that have been linked with Liverpool and, and players that you know maybe Liverpool fans this weekend might want to, to have a look at. Some more obvious ones, you know, Timo Werner obviously in there, but some lesser known ones as well. Maybe someone like Milot Rashica, who uh, we've spoken about on this podcast in the in the past. So. Yeah, a few different names. I think there's about seven or eight different players that you know we might be able to, to have a look at this uh, this weekend and in future as well, and, and one or two lone players as well. I know interviews and that flips uh, last weekend, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously Mark Gruich is over there as well. So yeah, plenty of, of names to watch out for. There are indeed. Hopefully, as you say, we'll we'll see our own football return in the Premier League. It just does remain to be seen at the moment, though, doesn't it? A, a date of June the 12th has been pencilled in, but an exclusive report from Matt Lawton in the Times overnight suggests that date might not be possible following two separate video conferences yesterday, which included all 20 Premier League managers and one player from each club. Uh, you're going to tell us all about the report now, Matt, and the, the report states that Jurgen Klopp spoke particularly well as well. Yeah, it does. I thought that was uh, an interesting line. Obviously, he's for that kind of thing, and, and he's one of those who will want football to come back because obviously Liverpool want to get that Premier League title won. But it seems that project restart <coughs> potentially could be uh, delayed, as you say. Managers and, and players have addressed a fair few concerns. I think there's a few different bits to sort of talk through here. I think there's. Well, even more questions, really. It seems that every day we get a few answers on a few things, but a few more questions get added to the list just to cancel those things out. So it doesn't seem like progress is being made. I'm sure it is behind the scenes, but the sort of the, the initial plan really was for, for players to return to training on Monday, start on, on June the 12th in terms of matches coming back competitively. Um, obviously, as we say, without fans and, and with various sort of protocols medically in place. Um, but that doesn't appear likely now, I think. Certainly this report and, and all of the, the sort of pointers would suggest that it's going to be delayed by at least a week, if not more, um, mainly because the players, it seems, and, and coaches as well, are not particularly satisfied with safety protocols, which I think is, is perfectly understandable. I think as it stands, maybe not enough depth and, and detail has gone into this planning to to convince these people that they're going to be safe when they go back to work. Um, I think we do forget sometimes that not only are, are footballers human, but this is their job. Uh, it's essentially the same as sort of if, if you're you know working wherever you're working and you didn't think it was safe to go back to work, then I'm sure 
know, there's been people who have concerns quite rightly, and obviously we've spoken about Danny Rose, we've spoken about Raheem Sterling in recent times. A few others as well have come out and, and basically said that they're uncomfortable with coming back. I think Sergio Aguero was was one of the first ones. That was a few weeks ago now, but certainly a fair few more have come out since then. And it seems that you know managers are maybe a little bit concerned that they're being forced back with insufficient time to prepare in terms of pre-season and that sort of thing. But I think the, the bigger issue really is that clubs are, are unsure over the liability and the, the legal aspect if, if a player or a member of staff was to get ill or, or perhaps something worse than you know, where would the, the liability lie on that? Would it fall on them? Would it be the Premier League? Would it be, you know, a government level? Or, or you know, I, I think it's still certainly not black and white at this stage. And, and players really are, are asking not only those questions, but sporting questions as well. They want to be able to train for four weeks, you know, in, in terms of actual contact training. Obviously, Liverpool's players have gone back this week, but they're still training individually. They're still kept, you know, kept apart. They're not going to see each other. They're not going to interact. Players won't sign the, the forms to say that they're happy until you know, there's, there's enough evidence to suggest that they'll be okay to train pretty much as normal for, for three or four weeks. So I think we're a long time off that happening. The other issue is that there's a limited number of tests going mm-hmm. to be provided to each club. Obviously, it's very difficult to get hold of those at this moment in time because other sectors need them um, so the, the plan at the moment is for, for clubs to be limited to I think 40 uh, sort of members of staff at matches and that sort of thing which means that obviously for teams with huge coaching staff and I think Manchester City are one of those who've got huge backroom staff but lots of other Premier League clubs do these days as well it might be a case of you know, some staff having to, to miss out on matches and, and be left behind because there just isn't enough space in this limited squad. So clubs understandably aren't happy about that. And, you know, all of these things sort of add up really to to, to suggest that the initial plan of returning to training is not going to happen on Monday. It's going to be at least Tuesday because the next Premier League meeting is on Monday. If none of this is, is sorted, which... Obviously, it isn't. I don't think there's any more meetings scheduled before Monday. So I think the hope was that that yesterday this would sort of get ironed out. The opposite really has happened and and more issues have cropped up. So at the very earliest, it's going to be Tuesday for returning to training. But I would say, given what's happened here, that seems incredibly unlikely. Um, And just a a final point, really. Troy Deeney is, is sort of another of those who's spoken out. He says, you know, yeah. The sort of element of, of choice is, is crucial because you know, I think that the example of players being safer, you know, playing football than if they were going to a supermarket was was put in place. And you know, obviously, medically or, or whatever that might be true. But as Troy Deeney says, you know, there's a choice over whether you go to the supermarket or not. There's not really a choice over whether they're forced back into playing football or not. So, look, there's a a long way to go, I think, before players and and managers and coaching staff are convinced. And at this stage, we just seem to have a a great deal of of unanswered questions. We do indeed. It it, it is a minefield. And I don't think... It's, it's it's a bad thing well, it is a bad thing to say but I think it's probably a true thing to say that once the Premier League does return we are going to have players more players testing for coronavirus just because of the law of averages and I know Jurgen Klopp wasn't quoted in this piece but he supposedly said that you know 
or ask the question, could the Liverpool or Premier League clubs recruit youth team players if, you know, if if, if players, senior players did go down with COVID-19 infections? It, yeah, it is an absolute minefield and it's it's clear, Matt, as you have completely outlined there, that there's there's a lot of hurdles to uh, to get over before we're actually going to return to training, let alone back to matches. Uh, one other big hurdle, we were talking about this on the uh, Morning Bulletin podcast yesterday with Sean Bradby and it, the, the, obviously the intention... Uh, probably even less than a week ago was that all the remaining 92 games would be staged at neutral venues then it appears that every Premier League club was not up for that at all and then they've gone to the government and the government said yeah we can we actually think we can work around this and get every club to play their remaining home games at their home ground so that's that is one uh, box ticked but obviously we've got two clubs in this city Liverpool and Everton and uh, our Liverpool FC correspondent Paul Gorst and Everton FC correspondent Phil Kirkbride I've been speaking to supporters groups and the mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson, about the prospects of both clubs playing out their seasons at Anfield and Goodison Park, respectively. Yeah, the story's on the Liverpool Echoes website now, Matt, and it's it's a very good read. Yeah, it certainly is. It's uh, obviously interesting off the back of, of comments that Joe Anderson made uh, a week or so ago about Liverpool fans potentially not being able to keep themselves away from Anfield if, if Liverpool did win the Premier League title. But... Yeah, it, it seems, as you say, that an agreement has been made now for, for neutral venues to not sort of be the first priority. I think, you know, the, the government and, and Premier League clubs have kind of agreed now that, you know, Anfield, Goodison and, and the rest of the, the Premier League stadiums can be used when football does come back. But it, it's sort of interesting to, to, to see what, you know, the mayor, Joe Anderson, says now that that, that is that is OK and, and he'd be happy with that as well. But, um Again, it's similar to, to football coming back. I think there's a lot of hurdles that would have to be in place. I think the, the police would have to be completely happy with the sort of the measures in place and, and then being able to control if anybody did go to any grounds. And obviously, I'm not just talking about Liverpool here. I'm talking about every club up and down the country. Um, interesting that fan, fan groups and, and, and clubs are, are getting involved as well, uh, obviously. Spirit of Shankly from a, a Liverpool perspective is, is going to be very important and, and they kind of echo Joe Anderson's comments really which again is important I think it, it's massively significant that everyone's on the same page here and sort of each group individually is, is sort of thinking along the same lines um, you know it, it's important that football fans don't sort of get treated in a different way to everyone else um, I think obviously at the moment, with the government's sort of guidelines in terms of social distancing and that sort of thing, there's, you know, there is understandably and, and inevitably a lot of trust being placed in the general public. And to sort of suggest that football fans would would go to, to gather outside stadiums and things like that, I mean, there's no evidence to suggest that football fans are, are any different to anybody else in the country. Um, I, to be honest... Uh, I've seen a few different opinions of, of whether people would go down to, to Anfield and things like that for matches. Um, from my perspective, uh, I, I don't really understand why people would do that. Um, if you can't get into the stadium, you can't watch the match. Why would you take yourself down to Anfield where you can't see the match rather than stay at home where you can? Um, for, for me, that it, it, will, it wouldn't make a great deal of sense for large groups of people to be able to get there. Uh, the other difficult thing as well is this, you know, obviously at the moment 
traveling and that sort of thing is, is restricted and is not particularly easy to do. Um, so, you know, unless you lived you know, within walking distance of Anfield, which obviously a significant number of people do, but maybe not a, a hugely significant number in, in terms of the, the grander scheme of things and, and the total number of Liverpool fans and stuff like that, you, you're going to have to be traveling quite a long way to, to go somewhere when there's not really that many advantages to, to being there. So, I don't know, I, I think, obviously, it's a situation which you can't really predict, but to me, it would be it would be a bit of a surprise if, if fans started to gather outside stadiums and that sort of thing, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. We'll see. I think you're right, to be honest, mate. Uh, to some transfer gossip, Timo Werner, as we all know by now, has not shied away from the fact that he'd love to join Liverpool. But that has angered one club who were also interested in his signature. Yeah, it certainly has. It's uh, an interesting story, this one. Bayern Munich, of course, ruled out of the race by Timo Werner. Um, he's not interested in going there, and he says... If he leaves RB Leipzig, he'd like to, to move abroad. And, and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, the uh, sort of chief executive, I think, over at Bayern Munich, has said, I'm no longer astonished at anything. Because he's very sort of unhappy, really, that, that Timo Werner would dare to move abroad rather than stay in Germany. And it, it sort of strikes you reading those comments as, as being incredibly arrogant, really. I mean, yeah. lots of, of players have moved from you know, sort of lower Bundesliga sides up to Bayern Munich and the fact that Timo Werner would come out and, and say that he's not prepared to do that doesn't seem to have gone down particularly well, which I don't know, it's a, it's a strange story. I'm not sure you know, whether he was asked about Timo Werner or whether he sort of brought this up out of the blue. I'm not too sure, but it's certainly, you know, it's very, very strange comments. And I don't really see what he gets out of it, to be honest. It's, it's a really weird one because... Look, Timo Werner's already ruled ruled himself out of a move to Bayern Munich. So why 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 on earth Bayern Munich sort of feel they have to get involved? I don't know, but uh, yeah, certainly certainly some interesting comments. They are indeed. Yeah, they can't help themselves by, and I think I think you've used a comp- correct word there, arrogance. I think they're just used to uh, sweeping up all the top talent from within their own country, and uh, yeah, Timo Werner's thrown a spanner in the works there. Another player who has been perpetually linked with Liverpool is Barcelona winger Usman Dembele. Uh, and it sounds as if Dembele could be available at a reduced price if, and it's a big if, as I'm sure you're about to explain, Jurgen Klopp was to be interested in him. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, Usman Dembele is a player that, that Liverpool have been linked with a number of times under Jurgen Klopp. And it's surprising, actually, that he's still only 22, I believe. So, yeah, it's a, a 60 million euro price target has apparently been placed on him, which is about 80 million euros less than what Barcelona paid for Dembele. Obviously, I think that initial price was overinflated because he was essentially the replacement for, for Neymar when he departed. So it, it's no surprise that, that Barcelona are looking to get rid of him, I don't think. I think this summer they're going to be desperate for, for cash they need to sell effectively before they can buy they need to invest in a few different areas of the squad and I think a number of players that are being linked with exits Usman Dembele is probably one that can get them a little bit more money we've seen I think John Clare Todibo being linked with, with Everton Artur has been linked with a few different clubs and it seems like there's, well I mean it's not the ideal summer to be making wholesale changes but Certainly, that's what Barcelona look to be aiming for. So, 
I don't know whether this is just an easy link for for somebody to make that Usman Dembele might end up at Liverpool. I think sixty million euros is is still a fair it's still a fairly hefty price. I think it's probably in normal times a fair ish price for a player of that age and that talent. But you know, whether Liverpool would be prepared to pay that um, in the sort of coronavirus uncertainty that we have, I'm not too sure. And of course, he's had a lot of injuries over the last few months. He, he's not played a great deal of football because he's been out injured. I think it's not really gone particularly well for him at Barcelona generally. I do think he's a very talented player, but again, there's, there's been questions over his attitude and that sort of thing. There's been certainly occasions where he's been fined for turning up late to training and that kind of thing. And I just feel that that possibly, you know, as, as good a player as he is and as much as you know, you might think that he'd fit into a, a Liverpool team in terms of the way that he plays. I'm not too sure that, that he's the right kind of character and uh, sort of got the right attitude, really, to, to play for a Jurgen Klopp team. I think, obviously, that's something that the recruitment team at, at Liverpool, Dave Fellows and, and Michael Edwards and people like that, place a, a huge emphasis on, on the squad morale and, and that sort of thing. So I think it would be a risk to bring him in in that regard, as as good a player as he is, but yeah, certainly, it wouldn't surprise me if he left Barcelona and and maybe ended up in the Premier League or, or certainly, a, you know, a very good club. But certainly, it would be a bit of a shock, I think, to see him at Liverpool. Thanks, Matt. That's all your headlines for today. But just before we go, on this day in 1995, Liverpool beat Blackburn Rovers 2-1 at Anfield on the final day of the 1994-95 season. It was a result that could have handed bitter rivals Manchester United the title, but United's inability to win at West Ham ensured Blackburn were crowned champions, with their manager, of course, being none other than Sir Kenny Dalglish. Uh, Dan Kay has done a story all about that on the Liverpool's Echoes website, if you'd like to give that a read. And if you'd like a little bit more Liverpool FC listening I had a really good chat with uh, the former Liverpool winger David Thompson yesterday he goes into what it was like coming through the ranks at, at, at Vernon Sankster and not at Kirby it wasn't at Kirby back then with the likes of Stephen Gerrard Jamie Carragher Steve McManaman before him, Robbie Fowler before him, Dominic Matteo and a, a bit about why he left Liverpool and what happened after it. Blackburn, unfortunately, his career was uh, cut short by a serious injury. It's uh, it, it was a good chat and it'll be available however you get your Blood Red podcast about 3pm UK time today. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.